right. One of the beautiful parts of upgrading your leadership that is so fulfilling, fun, challenging, exhausting, an essential part of becoming the best leader you can be is when you're actually leading a team. Now, everybody's at different experience levels read or listening to this. Um, some of you ha haven't yet led a team. Some of you have led a team for a long time. And some of you are kind of in the middle of that. And it doesn't matter where you are. Today, I'm going to either advance your knowledge and get you farther, faster. Or if you are at that place where you are very effective, we're just going to increase that effectiveness even 1%, 2%. Because what happens when you can actually... Uh, improve your approach, even for those small incremental gains, if you're already doing it very well, uh, you're keeping your skills at the edge of their abilities. You're also helping people get to the fullness of their potential, and it's just more fun. So I'm going to walk through this like these five actions that are going to unblock your ability to lead a fully engaged team. Now, we've put together a guide on this, and we did that a while back. We're, we're I think re-releasing it through our email now, and so if, if that's where you've connected, awesome. Either way, you can just listen to this and, and get a feel for it. But these five actions to help you lead, develop, form, and lead a fully engaged team. The first action is this. Team members have to learn how to learn, have to learn to reframe in the moment. Now, I'm saying team members. I'm talking about a team. Now, I'm going to the individual, and that's right, because you've heard me say this on the podcast numerous times. The, the faulty approach to team building is so broken, broken is an obsession over a healthy we. You can't get a healthy we until you have a group full of healthy me's. And if you're going to learn how to move a team through a process to full engagement, and I've shared with you before on the podcast uh, Tuckman's models uh, of the four phases of a team, and I think I've shared like seven or eight templates of team building and, and developing others from a process-oriented standpoint, um, this is just reducing it down to its simplest action. You have to have non-reactionary team members. And it takes time to get them there. If you're starting off leading a team that you're inheriting, and if that's the case, you definitely need to learn Tuckman's models because you're going to accidentally rip them into a phase they're not ready for and cause yourself unnecessary harm. Uh, I do um, I do have content on that in the, the site, ShiftLeadershipAcademy.com, in our leadership course. But for you now, if you're going to get this piece down first, it's just understanding that your team members have to learn to reframe everything that opposes them, roadblocks, into an innovation and how to turn conflict into growth. And so we have all kinds of things around us right now that are elevating this importance of what it means to be non-reactionary. Uh, you you want to react at the right time, but more your leadership posture needs to be the cause, less the effect. And it takes a superior psychology to do that. Superior psychology that produces a resiliency. So... What we like to do in our training is help people understand at a deep level who they are apart from what they do. That's how you can reframe in the moment. You know, we, we like to say reframe everything. What you're looking at, learn to look at it through the lens of identity. Your, your brain is already doing that in an insecure way. So tune that in, tune it approving or hiding so that you can get to the why behind your actions so that you can understand that if the worst or the best happens, what's it look like for you? 
to still show up at the best of who you are. Now, once you've got that piece in place and you've got a group of team members learning to think about who they are more than what they do, then you can move to the second action, which is going to be dealing with what blocks full engagement. So it is natural that if somebody knows who they are, it's going to flow into an expression of doing, mission, eyes lit up, let's go do this, whether they're a part of the team or leading the team. And that's going to translate into them, you know, the overflow from the secure identity into the clear mission. They're going to build and attract a healthy team. So what we're wanting to do is just think through this way. It's not how to hype them into engagement. It's unblocking what would keep them from being engaged. Now, full engagement looks like inspired, clear-thinking team members working together to build a healthy culture. And, and when they're empowered, team members, and they have potential to reach mastery level of their work and connect their work to a larger purpose, you know, Dan Pink showed us this in the drive book, um, they will hit that state of full engagement. Um, so the issue isn't how to inspire their ambition, but to figure out what blocks it. And no person, team, or corporate culture is going to get to this place of the highest level of performance without understanding there's an in Internal block to their external leadership. So we want to help people recognize that. And what you've got a lot of people doing is operating under a mental system, a mental mechanism that is causing them to step a step or many steps back from full engagement. And it's it's just faulty thinking. And I'm going to run through like some of those faulty processing systems, those faulty thoughts that block full engagement under this second action. Uh, one is, I will engage when I know I will make no mistakes. So you have some team members that are not going to engage until they are convinced they won't be seen by others as not having what it takes. And that blocks their full engagement, right? Um, now, it, it, it depends on the individual and like how far they push that. But some push it so far that they kind of have a little bit of a intense emotional break with it, and then they just rush in. So you want to notice when people are moving too slow. Why are they moving too slow? Oh, because they think they can get to a place that they're not going to make mistakes. That's faulty thinking. You will make mistakes. A second engagement blocker, I will engage when others fully appreciate me and my sacrifices for the cause. Or I could, we could say I will fully engage. Well, the problem is you'll never be fully appreciated. If you're only showing up for your validation, your validation is the ceiling and lid to your leadership. And... We need a group of team uh, members that are putting themselves out there even if they aren't validated. In fact, the healthy leaders show up to give more than get, and they understand that their sacrifice for the cause will never be fully seen, known, or heard. Third, faulty thinking. I will engage when I feel accomplished enough to be recognized. So in other words, as I get to the point that I'm recognized as having this sense of credibility or authority, then I'll fully engage. Well, that's never going to happen. If you're taking the steps of growth that are unfolding before you, you're always taking vulnerable steps where you're not accomplished enough. That's risk. That's growth. Growth happens at the edge of your abilities. Uh, another faulty thinking is, I will engage when I am assured that I will not lose my uniqueness. Now, that may sound weird to you if you don't struggle with that, but there are people that hold back from full engagement because they're just convinced if they speak up, it's going to be like, you know, that people's thoughts or emotions towards them are going to be, well, that's just like everybody else. And then they're going to go, I knew it. 
There's nothing special about what I have to say. Um, so that's, that's just broken. You're on that team. You're there for a reason. And it's time to speak up. Now, you're not speaking up in an insecure way to, you must hear me. It's you're sitting there. You know it. It's time. Let's hear what you got to say. Let's see what you can do. I will engage when I am assured, uh, or I, I will engage, this is the next faulty thinking, when I completely understand all the issues and have mastered the necessary skills. You know, I'm only going to dive in when I have no chance of being shown that I'm not the smartest person on this issue uh, and no chance of being exposed that I haven't gotten all the skills down. Well, here's the problem with that. You only learn mastery by doing. So this ties back to what I was just saying a second ago. You learn at the edge of your abilities. You want to get right to that sweet spot where one foot is in chaos and one foot is in order. You know, the water isn't so far over your head you're drowning. The water isn't so far under you that you're not having to stretch to swim. Next faulty thinking. I will engage when I'm 100% certain I've made the right decision. I mean, this is more and more shown to be proved, uh, d disproven in um, a lot of books that have come out on decision-making and heuristics and that kind of thing. But the, the lie of this faulty thinking is that you could ever reach 100%. Uh, you, you, the goal is not to be attached to the decision or the outcome. It's instead to be attached to the practice or the process of full engagement so that you're sharpening your gut and intellect and intuition as you go. So whatever your number is that you just pull that trigger for decision making on it, 92% or 94%, you finally go, ah, I gotta do this. Just lower that number. I mean, a lot of people try to do a radical change in their decision making, just lower it, lower it to 90%. You say, how do I know what that is? I know it's not easy to know that. It's like running. How do you know when you're running at 80% of your capacity? You just start to pay attention. Uh, I will engage when I've figured out, this is the next faulty thinking, all, worse, all possible worst case scenarios and possible bad outcomes. You know, I'll dive in when I know that uh, I know exactly how this is going to go. Well, you can never anticipate all the outcomes that would make you feel anxious. And so learn to engage, again, the process regardless of the outcome. You know, I think about this like even decision-making finances with my wife. Uh, I know where I, my full engagement can be blocked and where her full engagement can be blocked. And we could be talking about a, a, a bigger financial decision. And, you know, she wants to engage when we've got all the worst case scenarios figured out. And that can be helpful to protect us for uh, strategic planning, but we, we'll never be able to figure them all out. So um, I, it's learning in our relationship that she's like, oh, she's hesitant here because we can't anticipate it all. Likewise, for me, since I'm talking about her, I'll talk about myself some. Uh, I don't want to engage until I can, um, I can do it at a killer level. Like that's, I want to feel accomplished enough to be recognized. So, so even everything I feel like I've made with Sight Shift is like starting out and doing something and putting yourself out there. Um, and, you know, if I can't do it the best way, I don't want to do it at all. And that's just not how we grow. So uh, next, faulty thinking. I will engage when I can do it on my own and control all the necessary variables. Well, you'll never be able to control all the necessary variables. Something will uh, break through the armor that you would like to build up. And you, you will feel some vulnerability in engagement. You're never gonna fully protect yourself from being hurt, whether that's the emotional, psychological hurt from a team member, from something being misunderstood, whether that's the parts of the mission where something didn't go like you thought. Uh, 
uh, last faulty thinking I want to cover. I will engage when I'm assured that I'm wanted on the team and there is no conflict. Well, you know, hey, let me know that you really want me here, then I'll engage. Your job is not to show up to get assurance of belonging. Healthy team members that have unblocked their engagement know that they show up to give belonging. So the second action to building a healthy team is you've got to unblock the engagement blockers. You've got to deal with those. Third action, lead with proactive clarity. So there are two kinds of leaders. First, there are those that are emotionally unintelligent, and they objectify others, and they lead from insecurity, and this is exhausting. This insecurity fosters an environment of fear, which inhibits an empowered team from being built, because a disempowered team is too distracted to tenaciously focus on the bottom line. The second kind of leaders are emotionally intelligent. They do not get in their own way and self-sabotage. They cut through the clutter. They deliver clarity in decisions, system development, and prioritization. So what you've got to figure out is, is the team functioning in an environment of reactive chaos or proactive clarity? Or if you're building it from scratch, how do you move it to proactive clarity? Well, you need decision-making like heuristics. You need ways of filtering through bad decisions and improving your decision-making. You're going to make bad decisions. You just accept the fact that you're never going to have enough information to guarantee a certainty about the future. And part of that decision-making heuristic is comes out of the organic development of your team. You're learning along with your values, along with your experiences, along with your vision, what are the pitfalls that you watch out for. Now, we offer one for, in, offer one for you in our site shift uh, guide, our team building guide, which you can find that at siteshift.com. Just go to the blog, and it'll be one of the recent posts if you're listening to this uh, in around the fall of 2018. And if not, um, we'll... I'm sure have it highlighted in some way at some point in the future. But this this process of learning to think clearly takes work, and it's learning not to react based on your fears from the engagement blockers. So that's how these are a, a process, a sequence of developing your team to be their best. Fourth, you want to learn to capitalize on momentum. This is the fourth action. So you're going to face a, a constant fork in the road. The fork is a choice between nurturing momentum or stagnating and lose gains. So how do you become the kind of team who knows how to nurture momentum from one stage to the next? Well, this is not, um, you know, something that is specific to every team at a strategic level. At a tactical level, yes, but at a strategic level, it's just looking for a few things. Is there space for critical conversations? So I, I say a lot, like, I want to know what you complain about at home. And then I want you to come to me with a solution about it. But I want to hear that. Um, you know, is the mission something we all own in a meaningful way that there's deep, deep buy-in? Or is it forced or hyped in some way? Is there a leadership example of honesty in regards to necessary changes? Um, that's huge. Because people can sniff out if that's real or fake. And we want to make sure that there's an overflow in that moment of what's real, not what's fake. And, and you've got to do the deep work on that. Fifth, fifth action here. Uh, building a fully engaged team. Don't stop until it's personal. Now that sounds weird because I kind of talked about at the beginning that you're not taking it personal in the sense that you're learning who you are apart from what you do. Learning who you are apart from the mission. But what I mean is each team member needs to learn to build a leadership pathway. Like they know their part and they know the part that they play um, and they are 
continuing to grow in their self-awareness. So that's what I mean by leadership pathway. They see the path of growth in front of them. They may not see the next 10 steps, but they see the next step. Like, what are their pressure points? How are they eliminating repeating mistakes in high-pressure situations? Do they know how to turn mistakes into growth points? Do they know how to recover under pressure? Do they know how to see when things are getting into a space that's relationally dysfunctional and other people are being objectified and their fears are getting stirred up from the second action of engagement blockers? Um, what's it look like for them to understand how they can be their own worst enemy? So we want to help unblock a fully developed leadership team. And the number one problem that we see in organizations is their leadership pipeline. They just run out of leaders. And so if you're going to be the kind of team that has a deep bench, you want to make sure you're working on these five actions, and then you're going to want to build in four components. I'm going to hit these super quick. Super quick. The first component is you need a senior executive leadership that models organi the organization's values and interacts with others as a master coach. Uh, the senior executive leadership is about the mission, but they can't be like, oh, I'm about the mission. Who cares if I'm a crappy leader? I just got to get it done. No, they model the organization's values and they interact with others as a master coach. Now, a master coach doesn't mean they've got it all figured out. It just means that in that environment, they're a step ahead. They're a step ahead regarding emotional awareness. They're a step ahead regarding how to foster relational unity that is enforced. They're a step ahead in understanding how to do strategic planning in a proactive way, not a reactive way. They're a step ahead in not just comparing themselves to the competition, but truly coming up with original, creative, innovative thoughts. Not perfectly figured out, just a step ahead. The second component that's going to be needed is vision and values that elicit positive emotions from everyone in the organization. Um, this is this is key because this is the rallying cry. Now, this is the way that we see this playing out in organizations. It's medium in difficulty uh, because the right experiences that your team goes through, or with visionary leadership, uh, the identity or DNA of the organization will surface. Well, you just want to creatively shape the wording to make sure the values vision uh, are attitude-forming and action-inspiring, and not just gobbledygook, corporate speak that doesn't mean anything. Third component, as you build on this engaged team to get a deep leadership pipeline, you want to make sure that there's peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and learning. So not only, number one, leadership you know, down through the organization, effective as a master coach, but you need this component where peer-to-peer -peer, there's stirring each other up to grow as much as you can. That's a marker of a healthy culture. Uh, so what we do with SightShift is we offer a framework for that. It's our Figure That Shift Out framework, and we encourage, as people go through it, to teach it to others. The, you teach it, you go deeper on it, you go through it together with a friend, and then you want to fourth, if you're going to have a deep leadership pipeline, uh, allow access to resources or, or make resources available that allow individuals to maximize learning at a self-driven pace. You're always going to have the hungry people on your team, and hopefully your whole team is hungry, but the hungriest of the hungry who like devour and learn and apply. And you want to feed that hunger, and this is how they're going to accelerate their growth. So happy team building. We've done a lot of different things on team building. There's a lot of different frameworks we teach to help you know what to do in any situation, but this content here is focused on helping you get to an unblocked, fully engaged team and then take that team and move it into a deep bench with a pipeline that's full. 
Happy team building. Thanks for being here. If you want more, you can always go to siteshift.com, S-I-G-H-T, shift.com. Peace.